It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with Michael Brauner behind the glass, taking your telephone calls at 251 694 1055 is how you can reach us. You can also reach us in the app. We love to interact with those who are in the app as well. And we have a great and outstanding Wednesday edition of the Final Drive scheduled for you this afternoon at 3.30. We have Glenn Gilbo who will be talking about the LSU Tigers and the direction and the future of the LSU program in regards to can they beat Alabama for a second straight year? And is that the reality of continuing to establish a great tradition at LSU? Of course, we'll also at 4 o'clock have former Auburn quarterback Jason Campbell, who also works alongside one of the best in the business on the Auburn Radio Network We'll have him on at 4 o'clock at 4.30. We'll have DJ Butler, who is being recruited by numerous SEC schools and not only Power 5 schools, but schools here locally like South Alabama and other conferences across the country are recruiting DJ Butler. We'll get a great insight from one of the best upcoming senior running backs next year in the Mobile area. We'll speak with future ones, representative as well. And, of course, 5 o'clock, Brooks Austin will be here to talk about can the Georgia Bulldogs continue to maintain their dominance at the top of the Southeastern Conference and continue to be the number one team in the country? Who will knock them off? And will Kirby Smart continue to have an opportunity to have a three-peat? And, of course, at 5.30, Michael Bronner will be bringing us his WNSP podcast. And, Michael, I know you're excited about that. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. So, final drive will end at 5.30 today. WNSP now live. We did it last week with uh, Nick Wiggins and Stephen Root on the double team. This week it's going to be throw it deep with myself and my co-host Owen McEnroe. So, his uh, little debut on the airwaves in the 251. So, keep it tuned in from 5.30 to 6. And we'll do a little live version of our podcast. We're going to be talking uh, best bets as as for the over-unders that came out for the season as well as uh, maybe some quarterback draft stuff. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we get into. So, but uh, definitely keep it tuned in from 5.30 to 6. So a lot of great guests here on the final drive today. And of course, we were speaking about the podcasts that are available here on WNSP. Michael, I know that not only do we have great podcasts that if you miss any of the shows on WNSP, there are ways that people can go back and listen to certain guests, interviews and the entire shows that are on 
throughout the entire day here on WNSP Locally. WNSP Now, wherever you get your podcasts, you uh, you miss out on Mark and Lee or Corey or I or, uh, or Corey and I or John Rochetti or Tommy Prater or the Prep Spotlight, really any of our shows, as well as, you know, we've been doing some WNSP Selects. So if we have a big-name guest, you know, if you want to go just listen to John Harbaugh, for example, that was on the morning show a couple days ago, you can check that out. It's all under one large podcast umbrella, WNSP Now, wherever you get your podcast, just search us up there. So there are a lot of changes that go on in the offseason, but these two we'll touch on briefly here from a high school football standpoint. I know the opening kickoff with Lee and Mark had an opportunity a couple of weeks ago to go to Cottage Hill Christian Academy and actually have Stacy Luker on board the bus that we have here at WNSP. Well, Stacy Luker has decided not to coach at Cottage Hill Christian Academy and kind of catches them off guard. And that's that's a difficult situation. But what's more amazing to me, Michael Bronner, is the fact that he's not the first coach to do that. It's the second high school coach who has decided to do that is former Mary G. Montgomery head coach Brian Seymour. He decides that he didn't want to go to Greenville High School and goes back to Demopolis. So two coaching changes who didn't even coach a game are now going elsewhere. So Cottage Hill Christian Academy will still be looking for a new head football coach. So that's an interesting turnaround for WNSP just being there a couple of weeks ago or less than a week and a half ago and now having to find a new head football coach is very, very unique to say the least. I don't think I've ever seen two high school coaches to have not coached a down and we've seen it happen in college before. Mike Price being (laughs) coming to mind for all Alabama fans Uh not having an opportunity to coach for the University of Alabama. A little bit different circumstances Different circumstances there for sure, but that's what immediately turns to my mind. And I know Coach Brazell will do a wonderful job. The head of school, Chris Brazell, will find another great candidate in mind. But when you have that opportunity there not to coach a high school football game, it's it's really interesting and puts you in a a different type of predicament. Well, I'll tell you, Another unfortunate situation for one of our local athletes. He's definitely in our prayers. Michael Jefferson, a wide receiver from Murphy High School in 2018, went on to play at Alabama State and then transferred to Louisiana Lafayette. Sunday night was in a horrific car crash, and the six foot four wide receiver has gone through multiple surgeries. And I mention this because not only is Michael Jefferson a fine young man, It's just a situation where Michael Jefferson was a projected NFL wide receiver. And he not not many people get an opportunity to go to the NFL combine, Michael. And Michael Jefferson received an NFL combine invite and six foot four, long and lanky hands, tremendous leaping ability, played multiple sports in high school. But for him to have an injury like this we just our prayers hopes and dreams are still at hand for michael jefferson moving forward yeah it's an awful situation for the occasions wide receiver obviously a murphy kid there uh you know hope he can recover and and uh still have a potential nfl career ahead of him but certainly a tough situation there 
very tough situation. And I'll tell you, you know, what's not a tough situation is when you are a quarterback like Bryce Young and when you're sitting debating on whether or not knowing whether you're going to go one or two in the NFL draft or possibly even three, depending on what unfolds, for Peyton Manning and Eli Manning to make a comparison for Bryce Young to Joe Burrow, I found that pretty interesting when two Hall of Famers, out of all the quarterbacks to select, as far as a comparison standpoint, Bryce Young being compared to Joe Burrow, that really that comparison, you 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 would think Patrick Mahomes or Drew Brees or Russell Wilson, just because of Bryce's height. Yeah. But to compare him to Joe Burrow, I, I think that's a great comparison because so far through three years, Joe Burrow has been nothing but a winner in the NFL. It's just an odd comparison. Well, the ones that like, I think Peyton said this in uh, in the quote, the the easy and obvious ones to throw out are Drew Brees and Russell Wilson, like you said, just because of the size. I think you know Russell Wilson in his prime in Seattle is a good comparison there. But that being said, I I mean Mahomes is. Not gonna. I'm not even gonna call anyone Mahomes just because I, I I think uh, Mahomes is that much better than every other quarterback in the NFL. But I mean, what's the one knock on Bryce Young? It, it, it's size. I think if Bryce Young was four inches tall, which again, this is a ridiculous hypothetical. But let's say Bryce Young was four or five inches taller, he'd probably be argue. You could argue maybe one of the best quarterback prospects on paper coming out ever. Uh, you know, right right on that Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck. Uh, type of type of hype going into the draft he, he wouldn't be a question as to whether he's the number one pick or not I'll tell you that and I do still believe he is going to be the number one pick and uh, Caroline is going to wise up and end up taking him but that's the big knock on I mean he does everything at an elite level he has certainly above average arm strength he doesn't ha- he doesn't have a, a weak arm he doesn't have a two arm uh, but that this all being said yeah, I mean that's that's the knock on him is his height. I the Burrow comparison from Manning is interesting. I I haven't heard anyone throw that out. I I, I do like that comparison more so than uh, than than like your Russell Wilsons of the world. I I mean I I think I think probably the most underrated part about Burrow's game is his mobility and and kind of how he escapes the pocket and obviously the Bengals have struggled to protect him over his entire career really so he's running for his life quite a bit and has to make magic often obviously he's at his most elite when he can throw out of the pocket and and uh, sit back there and kind of just dot to Jamar Chase and T Higgins a lot of quarterbacks would be able to do that but I mean, I I think when he does when the play does break down and Burrow has to make something happen himself, that's the most underrated part of his game. He's really good at at kind of creating something out of nothing, which is obviously what Bryce Young excels at. So I I do like that comparison. Well, I think that anytime you look and you hear Eli Manning say he can play early in his NFL career and he's the most game ready out of any of the other quarterbacks, whether it be C.J. Stroud or Richardson or any other quarterback that you consider trying to draft ahead of Bryce Young. You know, I know that Eli and Peyton are not general managers and they're not signing any paychecks, but that's pretty high praise when you start looking at that coming from Eli and Peyton and their development and breaking down quarterbacks. Because if there's one position that they definitely know about, it is that quarterback 
position. Yeah, I would. I would. Uh, you know, both both of them hurt me personally a few different times. Eli more so than Peyton, to be quite honest. Uh, but you know, I I'm gonna trust these two when it comes to when it comes to quarterbacks. Uh, and and uh, honestly, I think another interesting comparison when it comes to Joe Burrow, uh, Hennon Hooker, who not a lot of people are talking about as be- just because of. Uh, uh, I guess because of Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. So I wrote about that today. You can go check that out on WNSP.com. I, I, I think he has a little bit of burrow in him too. Uh, he kind of ha- he didn't have to do a whole lot in the way of escaping this year for Tennessee, but the guy had 58 touchdowns and five interceptions over two years as a starter for Tennessee. Doesn't turn the ball over and throws a lot of touchdowns. He certainly has shown an ability to play a quarterback at, at an elite level in the SEC. So uh, why... why Anthony Richardson and Will Levis are seen as these sure things to go ahead of him. I, I don't really know, but I, I think uh, Hooker and Burrow is an interesting comparison as well. Well, just to, to the fact that Omaha Productions is going to do and break down the quarterback comparison of all of these, they're going to call it on the clock is what the pre-draft series is with the Manning brothers. I, I Joe Burrow is definitely a winner. I love his swagger, and I think he's a little bit more vocal and demonstrative with his swagger than Bryce Young is. But Bryce Young is that gamer at the end of the day. And if you want to look down and compare Hendon Hooker, Hendon Hooker is one of those guys that is definitely not as demonstrative as Joe Burrow. And Levis is not either. Anthony Richardson, to me, is the rawest out of them all. Yeah. But to consider drafting any of those guys before Bryce Young is absurd. But I, I just, I again... I don't think any of them are going before Bryce Young. I think C.J. Stroud's the only one who might go before Bryce Young, which, you know, th- have whatever opinion you want on that. Well, again, ultimately, I think Bryce Young is going to be the first pick. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty certain of that. Well, the odds definitely are shifting, and depending on what day you place your bet yeah. is come April 27th when you'll be able to cash in because keeping it close to the vest is exactly what the Panthers are doing because I know less than a month ago when we were on air and the Bears... <laughs> breaking news. The breaking news, correct, that the Bears were giving up the overall number one pick that lets you know what direction the Carolina Panthers definitely were getting ready to go. I think we talked about it in like the week before. It's like if you're the Panthers, look at the NFC South, look at what you have quarterback-wise here. Why not make that big move and trade up for a quarterback? And then probably a week later, they make the move and trade up. Yes, they're taking a quarterback. They didn't trade up to number one to get Will Anderson as much as, as great of a player as, as Will Anderson is. Uh, obviously, they are taking a quarterback, whether it be Young or Stroud or even Anthony Richardson, which would be pretty hilarious, but it's not going to be Anthony Richardson. It's going to be Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a... T- I don't know, because if you're the Panthers and you're bad again this year, you have to think like, oh, like maybe we can just go get Caleb Williams or Drake May next year but at a certain point you know you're entering a new with a new head coach and Frank Reich this year you have to think like do we want to just bet on ourselves to be bad again or do we want to go and get a guy we love now and if it's Bryce Young love now you can understand why go get it done now go get it done now and like I said Joe Burrow to the comparison of Bryce Young is outside of the pocket 
that's not the comparison that I definitely would have seen. I do like it, though. But as far as his productivity and being NFL-ready now, I think that Bryce Young, out of all the quarterbacks that have been mentioned, is that guy. On the other side here of this break on the final drive, of course, there was NBA action last night. And what would you pay for a piece of memorabilia that you really, really wanted? If money was no object, would you be willing to hash out millions of dollars for a piece of your favorite athlete's apparel? We'll talk about that next here on the final drive here with Michael Bronner and Corey Labounty. War Eagle, this is Butch Thompson, head baseball coach at Auburn University. You're listening to WNSC. The final drive back here on WNSP 105.5. You can give us a call 251-694-1055 or just hit us up and correspond with us in the app. And last night you had some NBA action. The Lakers, they win. LeBron James plays the second most minutes of the season. The Lakers win 108-102 to in overtime versus Minnesota and the Lakers will now move on to the best of seven game series versus John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. The Hawks, they go on the road and defeat the Miami Heat 116 to 105. So that was a big time win for Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. And on the side set, Charles Barkley making a billion dollar bet with Shaquille O'Neal. Too bad they didn't shake on that or Shaquille O'Neal would continue to be richer than he already is. But that was pretty funny to watch Sir Charles and Shaquille O'Neal make a billion-dollar bet. And tonight you have the Bulls versus the Raptors and the Thunder versus the Pelicans. Of course, the winner will play Minnesota on Friday as the Timberwolves did lose last night. But we were talking about Herb Jones and what he's meant, the former University of Alabama superstar, putting his hard hat on, playing for the New Orleans Pelicans. So we'll see if the Pelicans are able to go ahead and, and get a huge win over OKC, Michael. Yeah, Herb is Herb is fun to watch, man. He he had uh he had like the best game of his career like a week ago. He had like thirty five and ten or something like that. I think he made like five of eight from three too. So he he's developed that three point shot quite a bit as well. He he he's I mean I think a lot of Alabama fans knew he was going to be a solid NBA player. I don't think anyone expected him to turn into a star, but he really is turning into a star uh, for the Pelicans. So it, it's just awesome to see. Well, Michael, if you had money. What would you pay for a piece of memorabilia? I know you're a huge Alabama fan and New England Patriots fan. Mm. Would you pay $2.2 million for a pair of Tom Brady's game-worn cleats? $2.2 million. Sounds pretty specific. Is that uh, did, did something get sold for $2.2 million there? Well, Michael Jordan's Air Jordan 13... 1998 NBA Finals Game 2 shoe, red and black edition, sold for $2.2 million. And during Michael Jordan's last season of play, one of his Bulls jerseys went for $10.1 million Ooh. earlier. But 
Is that not crazy that, again, if smoke them if you've got them in regards to being able to afford it, but $2.2 million, I wonder is that the entire set or is that just, just a left shoe or a right shoe? shoe? I hope it's both shoes there. If it's two mil- a million a shoe there, uh, that seems fair. Not really fair, but I hope you got both shoes there. Uh, yeah, I mean, if if so, in this hypothetical, money is no object. Or, uh, money's okay. no object, okay. Michael. What? Like, what? I'm how much bil- would I'm you a pay? Billion, I'm a billionaire. Uh, Not in, even in, a billionaire. You just have two point two that you can. Put down on the auction block. Well, then I I would hope I'm a billionaire if I'm putting two point two million dollars down on a pair of shoes. Uh, if I was gonna like buy one piece of memorabilia, I would probably uh you know something game worn from Super Bowl forty nine and, and the Patriots beating the Fal- uh, beating the uh, Seahawks rather in the Malcolm Butler interception game. It's like you know may- may- maybe if you told me I could have the football from the Malcolm Butler interception that Russell Wilson threw, maybe I'd pay two point two million dollars for that. That's like the greatest moment of my life. So well, Mars. Blackman, Spike Lee said, is it the shoes? Well, <laughs> obviously it is the shoes. And he used to say, do you know, do you know, do you know? Yeah. Well, do you know that? Can you imagine again, when the, the goat Muhammad Ali passed away where his boxing gloves or anything that had his name on it quadrupled in value, the same thing with Kobe Bryant, anyone who owned anything that was Kobe Bryant worn, Jersey, basketball, did not matter. It tripled and quadrupled in value. And here it is, Michael Jordan can't even win as a general manager with the Charlotte Hornets and turns around that his disaster of a general manager. It's not even close. I mean, go ahead and sell, Mike. But you've turned a billion-dollar industry, and it's amazing to me how memorabilia – can be worth more than certain players made during their contract era. But what piece of memorabilia would you as fans pay the type of money that was paid yesterday, $2.2 million? Is that a a, a price tag that you would be willing to pay if if money was no object? And what piece of memorabilia would you love to have? Because, again, it's going to go back to my favorite athlete is still Michael Jordan. Mm. I still would love to have anything, $2.2 million for his shoes. I I would probably uh, rather have something that was an autograph poster or a game-worn jersey in regards to something like that. The shoes I definitely can understand. $2.2 $2.2 million is, is is amazing to me, though, when you start throwing out that type of number. But you have different fans, different strokes for different folks in regards to what they like and what they want to go ahead and purchase. And it'll probably be sold again, to be honest with you. I'm it goes sure for it 2.2 be, yeah. now. It'll be more valuable later on. What's remarkable to me, though, we're talking to 25 years later, and those shoes are still in a condition that can be sold for $2.2 million. We had someone in the app say Tiger Woods irons from his first Masters. That's something, again, of value without question. That's one of those top-end athletes, whether it's Muhammad Ali, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, Nick Saban items will continue to go through the roof once he's gone from Alabama as well. We'd love to hear more from you. Someone says Lou Gehrig's jersey. From today, considering yourself the luckiest man alive, I love that fact. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5.
This is Reese Dismukes. You're listening to 1055 WMSB. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5 and want to welcome Glenn Gilbo in. He is a former writer for the Mobile Press Register, a national columnist at Outkick.com. Glenn, good afternoon and welcome to the final drive with Corey LeBounty and Michael Brauner. Hello. How are you guys? Absolutely too blessed to be stressed and wanted to have you on this afternoon to talk about can Brian Kelly continue in year two to put another SEC West championship ring on his finger? Or was it was it just a fluke after year number one in defeating Alabama down in Baton Rouge? Because this year he's coming to T-Town where I think that revenge definitely will be on the mind of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Yeah, well, I, I think, um, you know, I think LSU returns – one of the better teams in the in the league. I mean, they're they return the starting quarterback. Uh, most teams in the SEC are not doing that. In Jaden Daniels, and uh, they return a, a, a good amount of receivers and and uh, defense and offense. So they, you know, they might be a a, fav, a favorite or close to it in the West uh, with Alabama. You know, Alabama's losing Bryce Young, obviously, and Will Anderson, but. Nick's good at reloading, but I think LSU is probably going to be ranked higher uh, and picked higher than they have in several years uh, going into this season because of their quarterback coming back. Um, but uh, they, you know, they still got a ways to go because they did they did finish kind of weakly after they beat Ole Miss and Alabama last year. You know, they got um, got blown out by Georgia. They lost. They got blown out by a bad A&M team. So, um, you know, they're, they're, they haven't quite arrived yet. But last season was a good good year of progress for Coach Kelly. Glenn, not to backtrack on last year, but I, I am curious your thoughts on this. Do you think that had LSU made the extra point against Florida State and won in overtime, do you think that, they, that Brian Kelly still would have gone for two against Alabama in overtime? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think he went for two all because of the situation of, of the Alabama game. Uh, I don't think it had anything to do with, uh, with Florida State. I think uh, he, he felt like he was, he was the underdog and he had a chance to win right there. Uh, so he went for it. That, that's what he said. Uh, in fact, he, was, uh, he went into the game thinking he was going to do that. If you, if you have a chance to beat Alabama, if you got one play to beat Alabama, you know, you got, you got to take that chance. And that's, uh, that's what he did. When you start looking at LSU's football schedule this year, again, the Florida state Seminoles right back there on the calendar at camping world stadium. And, you know, I like the fact that LSU allows other schools in the state, Grambling state to get a piece of it. But then in the third week, they jump right into and go to Mississippi State, a team that's going to be under a first-year full-time head coach. But the LSU-Florida State game this year, 
after last year, people were ready to go ahead and, and put the dirt on Brian Kelly and that Southern <laughs> accent that he had in his introductory press conference or, or at the basketball game really made some people and rubbed people the wrong way. And I don't think he did anything to help himself outside of turning it around, beating Alabama, and then not having a bunch of success against a tough Georgia Bulldogs team in the SEC championship. Yeah, well, he, uh, Florida State ended up being, you know, one of his his better losses. I mean, they ended up being better than uh, than A M and uh, you know that was that was a bad loss. They got blown out by Tennessee, and Florida State ended up having a good good team. Um, that's that's a tough opener, but I, I think Brian Kelly. I think he's going to know a lot more about his team going into this season. Than last year, obviously, it's because it's his second year. But but he inherited a mess when he came to LSU. Um, I think there was only 39 scholarship players on the field when LSU played in the bowl game after the 2021 season. So he was still figuring out who was on his team and what they could do. You know, early last season, I mean, they they had a bunch of mistakes on special teams. He he, he fired that special teams coach, uh, so I, I, there's been a lot less turnover this time. So I think he knows his team better this spring and, and going into this August. So I think you're going to see that they're, they'll be they're going to be less uh, mistaken all the time, and uh, and having some ridiculous special teams plays like they had against Tennessee early on. Uh, so I think you'll just see a more sound team this year than last year. Talking to Glenn Gilbo, he, he's a columnist on LSU at OutKick. Glenn, uh, I mean, now entering year two for Brian Kelly, obviously year one, I think the final result in winning the SEC West was certainly an overachievement. And now, like you said, they, they returned one of the better rosters in terms of what they lose from last year. Is it now, like, if you don't build on that and – I guess make the college football playoff is it from a fan base perspective is it seen as a disappointment as difficult as that may be to do? Well, LSU fans don't get as disappointed as quickly as I think Alabama fans do because Alabama's just had a <laughs> just had a lot more success. I mean, uh, you know, it was just a couple of years ago they were you know below five hundred over over two seasons before Kelly, so. I don't think the fans are demanding him him make the playoffs uh, this year. Uh, you know, the LSU fans are a little more used to failure than than Alabama fans. Um, but you know, they they were close to the playoffs last year. If they wouldn't have lost to uh, to A and M, you know, before they lost A and M, I think they were fifth in the uh, in the college football playoff poll. So so they got close, you know. Uh, and I think I think they'll have a chance to get into it this year, but uh, you know I, I think the I think realistically speaking, you know I think his third year would be the time to make the playoffs. Uh, you know, getting this program in and getting all his uh, his ducks in a row because they still got some personnel issues in the secondary. They're not deep on the offensive line, particularly this spring. So he doesn't have his roster where he needs it quite yet. If they somehow snuck into the playoffs this year, it would be more overachievement. Well, when you sit there and talk about overachievement for the LSU Tigers, uh, again, Ed Orgeron, to me, 
him winning the national championship was not overachievement because half of that LSU roster went on to to be drafted in the National Football League. So when you have that type of talent, of course, you want to become a national champion. And I think that the culture that Brian Kelly said at Notre Dame coming down to the South and being and saying from the introductory press conference, he wants a piece of Nick Saban. He wants to be part of the Southeastern Conference, which is the best conference in the country. It's a it's a conference that kicked his tail a few times while he was at Notre Dame. And now with him being able week in and week out to prepare has Brian Kelly's mindset changed at all in his time down in Baton Rouge? No, I don't think so. I mean, he, he came here because he felt like LSU has a better chance of winning the national championship than, than Notre Dame does, mainly because of the academic requirements aren't nearly as stringent in the SEC as they are at, at Notre Dame, plus the geographically the amount of talent around most of the SEC schools and more so LSU, uh, is, there's just a lot more players at his disposal than, uh, than at Notre Dame. Um, and, you know, that, that's what he said. He says he, he wants to, you know, be with a, on Broadway. You know, this, this is it. The SEC is it. And he's at one of those schools that, that can win a national championship. I mean, every national championship LSU's won in football has been under a different coach. Um, and... He he's not you know near the talent level that Ed Orgeron had in 2019, and people forget. I mean, Coach Orgeron built toward that season. They were pretty good in 17, and very good in 18, and then they were great in uh, in 2019. So uh, I don't think Kelly is there yet with the roster, but he's recruiting well, and he'll he'll probably be there, you know, in year three or year four. Walker Howard was one of the highest recruited quarterbacks in the country when he when he chose to attend LSU and then obviously enters the portal this this offseason and, and elects to attend Ole Miss. Do you think that was more Garrett Nussmeyer showing something when he came in uh, for an injured D- Jaden Daniels in the SEC championship, or do you think that was more so Jaden Daniels is probably going to come back? Uh, I you know I now I'm battling for a QB two job with with Garrett Nussmeyer. Uh, Walker left because he saw Nussmeyer uh, passing him in the eyes of Brian Kelly. I mean, he wasn't getting the practice time Nussmeyer was or the or the playing time. And uh, I, I think Kelly may have made a mistake there um, because, um, you know, Nussmeyer looked really good when he played, but it was in mop-up duty and it might be fool's gold because uh, I think Walker Howard is a better quarterback than than Garrett, and uh, I, I think they'd be better off with him. Um, but, you know, Walker didn't want to be third string for a second year in a row, so uh, so he went he went to Ole Miss. And, I, you know, I think it was a smart decision for him. And it was kind of amazing because Kelly recruited Walker Howard to Notre Dame before he came to LSU. Uh, and Nussmeyer has shown flashes of, of looking really good, but he's also – you know, kind of inconsistent too. So we'll, we'll we'll see. You know, it could well be Nussmeyer versus Howard in 2024 when LSU plays Ole Miss. Well, I tell you what. I mean, LSU giving the SEC West all it can handle last year and making it to the title game in your first year 
I think it shocked a lot of people, but Brian Kelly's one that he wants to go ahead and find a way to continue to keep that great tradition that's going on, that Bayou magic, so to speak. And, of course, the spring game being April 22nd for LSU, I think that they're smart by having the coaches clinic this weekend and bringing in coaches prior to the the final game of the spring. But if you were to go ahead and give a, a an early prediction – of the SEC West. Will it come down as it has over the past decade or so to LSU Alabama? Will that be the determining factor as to who will go ahead and be an SEC West representative and playing in the SEC championship game? Yeah, I think it is going to come down to uh, LSU and Alabama this year. You know, I, I think just because Alabama lost Bryce Young, I mean, they, they still got a couple of good quarterbacks there. They just haven't played much, and Bryce Young was, was great the first year he really played. So they have a way of just, just reloading. So uh, I, I think the West is going to come down to, to Alabama and LSU. But, uh, you know, it, it, Georgia's a champion until somebody unseeds them. So uh, And I think Tennessee is going to be very much in the mix again but uh you know lsu uh they can't they can't be too content with this first season under kelly because they had four losses and that ties to the uh, most losses for an sec west champion since they split the divisions uh and they didn't really look like a champion as the, as the regular season ended so they they still got a lot to improve on too i can't not ask you this one glenn how, how uh how good is harold perkins and how good can he be well, um, we're going to see how versatile he is because they have moved him this spring to to inside linebacker. You know, he was mainly an outside linebacker and pass rusher last season, but uh, he's he's going to be full time inside this year with some pass rushing duties. Uh, but uh, he he was a guy that they probably should have played more last year, and uh, you know, most of the time they played nickel and with just two linebackers. Anyway, so I, I think his position change is not going to be that dramatic. But he's um, he's one of the best linebackers returning in the SEC, no question. Glenn Gilbo joining us this afternoon on the final drive. Glenn, how can people follow all of your great coverage of what you have an opportunity to do each and every day that you have passion for? Well, um, Outkick.com is is a free website, uh, and I uh, mainly I cover college football in general. I don't cover LSU on a on a daily basis, but I still cover the the SEC a lot. Um, uh, actually, right now I'm writing on the Pelicans and uh, Zion Williamson's injury uh, as they go into the play-in tonight, and I'll be writing more on the Saints as the draft um, comes up. But then uh, a lot, lot more SEC baseball and SEC spring meetings as, as we move toward football season. Well, we'll definitely continue to lean on you to get some great coverage and insight of the Saints and what they're doing along with the Pelicans and Herb Jones playing at Alabama. Ken, he and Zion, if Zion ever decides to be Zion again and play, we'll find out what's going on there. But, Glenn, thank you so much for taking time out this afternoon. We look forward to talking to you very soon. Zion needs to learn how to play hurt. There's no question about it. Well, thank you. Y'all have a good one. Glenn Gilbo joining us here on the final drive. And when we come back, 
again, we'll talk about the quick matchups in the NBA playoffs and Petway. Antoine Petway, that name sounds very familiar to a lot of Alabama Crimson Tide fans and fans across the country introduced today as Kennesaw State's head coach. We'll talk about that next coming up here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. This is Jake Tilford, quarterback at Alabama. I'm listening to the radio. I'm listening to WNSP. The final drive on WNSP 105.5. We mentioned earlier in the week Antoine Petway officially being named Kennesaw State head coach, but Petway, again, having spent over 20 years at the Capstone have to be happy for an assistant coach who really went up as far as he could up the coaching ladder as an assistant and decided he wanted to become a head coach. And who knows, here in a few years, he could ultimately go back home to Alabama if he's successful not only at Kennesaw State, but if he is successful there, takes another Power 5 job prior to possibly coming back home to Alabama. I just don't think he was going to ever be promoted to head coach from the assistant coaching standpoint, but Antoine Petway chiming in today about the state of Kennesaw basketball. It is truly an honor and a privilege to lead this program. And I want you to know that I realize how fortunate I am to be in this position. I cherish this opportunity and I'm gonna do everything in my power to push this program forward to new heights. Main things that attracted me to this job, you know, were the, were the championship people. Of course, Milton Overton, Overton, I met Miss Tamika. Another big reason that I wanted to be here, I watched the Convo Center versus, versus Liberty in the conference championship game. I was sitting back at home watching, and I'm like, if I ever get that opportunity to be at Kennesaw State, I'm going. <laughs> the way that community got behind this team and this program, I loved it, and I wanted to be a part of it. So I, I want to continue that. I want to get our guys out in the community as much as possible meeting different people, going by schools, doing community service. I want us to be interesting to this community in Kennesaw. Antoine Petway, the new head coach at Kennesaw State, and that's going to take a little getting used to for Alabama fans because anytime you're able to work for three different head coaches, whether it's Nate Oates or Avery Johnson, even playing for Coach Godfrey, I think that's a situation to where anybody who is a an Alabama fan or who has had an opportunity to get to know Antoine Petway wanted to see him be successful. And that's the best thing for Antoine Petway moving forward is to have success at Kennesaw State, a team that's coming off of making the NCAA tournament. So it's not like he's leaving Alabama to a bare cupboard. Yeah. I think that that's a good move for Antoine Petway. Oh, it is. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it, hope for the best for for Petway. We'll see if uh, it ends up leading to a bigger job and in that Alabama has to face him. You know, if if it ends up that that Petway ends up as the head coach of an SEC program, like you said, I, I don't think there was really a path for him to ever be the head coach at Alabama anytime soon. But heck, I mean, if he does a good job at Kennesaw, I mean, if if Nate Oates were to, I don't know take over for Tom Izzo five years from now. I I would think that'd be one of the first calls that Alabama would make. So, uh, you know, hope for nothing but success for Coach Petway. And uh, we'll, we certainly will be keeping an eye on, it, on uh, what he does over there. Well, you go from 
a head coach now at Kennesaw State to our local high school football coaches. Again, Stacy Luker opts not to coach at Cottage Hill Christian Academy, which is breaking news today. And a lot of Warrior fans are tremendously disappointed. Stacy Luker, again, with that championship pedigree, having won multiple state championships. But it's not just Stacy Luker. Brian Seymour, earlier in the week, former coach at Mary G. Montgomery, he decided to take the Greenville job and then stepped away and walked away from it and went back to Demopolis. So two coaches here locally have decided to take a job and then remove themselves from a job. So hope that all is well for both of those guys and they make the best decision. It's tough for the kids, though, when you think that you're getting a state championship quality coach or a coach coming in to pump new life into you. And then less than two weeks later, without having coached one game or even having a spring practice, you're removed. So that's the situation at Cottage Hill Christian Academy. Jason Campbell former Auburn quarterback. He gives the breakdown every Saturday for the Auburn Tigers now this year. will join us next year on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile. Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Michael Brauner joining you this afternoon. And, of course, we had Auburn's spring game that was played this past Saturday. And it may not have been great weather conditions, but at the same time, if you're an Auburn Tiger fan, there's new life in the program and someone who is bringing additional life to Auburn's football this year. Joining Andy Burcham will be former quarterback Jason Campbell. And Jason Campbell joins us this afternoon on the final drive. Jason, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk Auburn Tigers with us. Yeah, no problem, guys. Uh, thank y'all for having me on. Uh, like I said, it was, a, it was a wet weekend, <laughs> Saturday, but, you know, we didn't get a chance to see a whole lot from the quarterbacks. Uh, but I will say this, though, the positive is even in rainy weather, you still got to be able to control the football and not fumble the ball and not have false starts and all those things that set you back as an offense. And I thought from an offensive standpoint, the one thing that the quarterbacks did well was make sure that everyone got off the ball on time. There was no fumble snaps. The running backs didn't fumble the ball. And that was a good sign to see because you never know you're going to have a rainy game during the fall. I agree with you. One thing that you cannot control is the weather conditions. And no one plays in a dome outside of that SEC championship game. And we know in the fall, especially when it's hot and humid, you can get inclement weather. But when you look at only throwing the ball 12 times, I think that throughout the entire spring, you had quarterbacks who had been able to sling it around, whether it's Robbie Ashford or TJ Finley or Holden Garner. And I think that that was something that people wanted a, a chance to see on a sunshiny day. 
exactly how accurate the quarterbacks could be. But the offensive line was something that concerned a lot of Auburn faithful last year, and it looks like that Coach Freeze has done a pretty good job of at least addressing that issue. Yeah, Coach Freeze done a really good job of uh, of doing that, affecting affecting our offensive line. If you think about it, we haven't had a lot of offensive on our offensive line over the last few years, and and now you know, we have an opportunity to kind of build on that build on that in the transfer portal. And that's the one thing that's good about the portal is that you don't have to wait two, three years for a young guy to develop. You can kind of go ahead and get some guys in the portal and then kind of move your way move your way on up. So uh, I thought getting Avery Jones at the center position was a huge key because you need an athletic center. Showing up that left tackle position with Dylan Wade, someone that played with Coach Montgomery when he was at Tulsa. Also getting Gunnar Britton out of Western Kentucky, who you know threw the ball a whole lot last year at the right tackle position, and then finishing up with Cam Stutz and and then our left our left guard Connor Lou, the high school kid from uh, Kennesaw here in Georgia, and uh, that that doesn't even include Jeremiah Wright, you know our next guy that played has a lot of playing experience, played a little bit of offense, a little bit of defense, but now having the opportunity to. Have an opportunity to be, a, you know, a starter or a backup gives us more depth at that position. Talking to Jason Campbell, former Auburn and NFL quarterback. Jason, uh, with a wet spring game like that, do you think Hugh Freeze almost prefers that? I mean, it tests the defense. I mean, you know, you, you know, that he wasn't going to throw out a whole lot of complicated passing packages, regardless. Uh, I think he preferred it to be sunny. Uh, I think he really wanted the fans to see some of these uh, big receivers that we have. Uh, also, he wanted to see if the offensive line could protect a little bit in a game-like situation with fans there. And also, most importantly, see what the quarterbacks can, can do in a, in a good day as far as their progression. See if the, how the ball gets to one, two, three in the progression. How to make sure the ball is where it's supposed to be when it's supposed to be there. Those type of things. And get the fans the opportunity to see holding Gurner. They haven't seen a lot of them. Get a chance to see has Robert really develop a little bit more as a passer. We know he can run. Uh, TJ has TJ being able to to make better decisions with the ball in his hands, as it you know, be able to keep the ball in, in tight and not get it knocked out when there's a crowd around him. So a lot of those things you wanted to see that now you kind of have to wait until the fall gets here. And uh, but the most important thing was this offensive line got pushed and they got pushed up front. That's one thing you want to see. Any great offense starts with a really good run game, and I think it showed with the running backs. You know, Hunter didn't even play that much. But the other running backs got in there performed very well behind that offensive line. And I got we got a really good defensive front, I feel like, with Justin Rogers, with Jason Jones, with Jeremy, with Emba. And then you got Kedra Falk at the jack position in 3-4. And then you also got Marcus Harris, who can play the inside and outside. So we have depth and we have guys at that position that's going to be really good for us this year in the SEC. So I thought our, our line did a good job in running the football, which we may have to win some games early on this season in the SEC play running the football. I think that the impressive part about Auburn's defense is your two corners. DJ James, he decides to go ahead and come back for his senior season, along with Nehemiah Pritchett. And I think both of these guys have valuable reps for the Auburn Tigers. And it's going to be really hard to throw the football against those two guys who are going to be pretty much Roger McCrary-like guys looking to make that NFL type of money. And if these two corners have a great season for Auburn. I think that they can put themselves to be draftable in the first or second round. 
Yeah, I thought the two most important guys uh, that retained this past year was DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett. You know, you're talking about two seniors at the corner position. I really thought both of them could use an extra year, uh, especially to gain a little bit more weight, get a little stronger in the weight room, uh, but also be you know highly talented as corners coming back because this is a loaded draft this year in the cornerback position. And I, I, I feel like these two guys are going to help lead the other guys that's behind them. We have some really, really good young corners. Kyan Lee, the guy that we flipped from Ohio State uh, to Auburn. He's a guy that was enrolled in January. Got a lot of experience during this spring early on. Uh, you got J.D. Rim, who didn't participate this spring because of the injury, but he's another young corner that's really good for us. They saw some playing time last year. So you're talking about guys that are coming up behind those guys that are really solid young corners, but you have the leadership of the two veterans who's been around the program now, who understands you know, what it takes to succeed at this level. And uh, having Jalen who played corner for us now playing the safety position uh, beside uh, as well back there with Kaufman as well and Zion Puckett. So, you know, you have some guys that, that can really make this room so deep. And we hadn't even talked about Keontae Scott. You know, the guy that we got, the number one DB Juco we got last year uh, that can play the nickel position and outside corner position. So this room is deep. You know, Zach and Coach um, Coach Crime Dog, they have a lot to work with. They have guys that they can rotate in there. Uh, we have to have five guys out there. We have the depth to do it. If we go to a dime defense, we have the depth to do it. So uh, this is going to be a really, really stronghold. I think the strength of our defense and uh, is going to be our secondary. Jason Campbell, the color analyst for the Auburn Tigers, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And also special teams is one of those factors that I, I think does not get enough kudos, if you ask me. Because when you start looking at Alex McPherson and Oscar Chapman being the punter for the Auburn Tigers, they can make a difference if, if Auburn's offense sputters. Flipping the field or being able to cash in on those three points are so very vital. Yeah, Austin Chapman has done an outstanding job. Like he's one of the good punters that can kind of pin defense, pin other opposing offenses back. Uh, like you said, to create a short field for our offense. Uh, like I said, the biggest thing for our offense is to lead the field with the ball on our side. You know, just don't turn the ball over in those situations to give the opponent a short field. Allow us to have allow our kicking game to kind of play a pivotal role. Uh, within within the within the ball game because you know Chapman he has a big leg he can punt it he can pin people uh, deep in territory but also you look at McPherson you know a guy to kick the 61 yard field goal in high school you know so he has the leg to kick from from different levels and I think coach wanted to see that in the spring that's why he kind of set it up towards the end to see if he can kick that to tie the game to send it you know. If it was a regular season game, it would go into overtime just with a little bit of pressure. Just try to put him in a pressure situation as much as you possibly can before we actually get to the season to see how consistent he can be in those in that, in that area. So I think McPherson is going to be a, a great young kicker for us. Like I said, he has you know, you have the genes uh, as, a, as a kicker, and uh, I, I think our kicking game is going to be really good this year. Uh, like I said, you know, we've had – uh, a lot of years where we had some really good kickers, so uh, I think it continues. Jason, if you were going to predict on it now, I mean, we have a lot of people on that guess that Auburn's quarterback isn't on the roster currently. I mean, do you think that <laughs> do you think that Robbie Ashford is going to be starting Week One for the Tigers? You know, it's hard to say. Uh, I know, you know, you talk about the 
the spring game, you talk about some of the spring practices and some of the ones I've seen and talk with the coaches and everything, you know, this is still an open competition. Uh, you know, everyone knows that Robbie has the attribute of being able to run. But, you know, to be able to win games, to win big games, we got to be able to be accurate with the football. we got to be able to, you know, maneuver the ball down the field in those third-down situations where you got to throw, you got to have it, um, and those type of things. And I think for him, that's the next step that he has to conquer. You know, those are some of the things he sputtered at a lot last year. Um, I think from the standpoint of, of this, competition makes everyone better. I think, you know, even if you're holding Gurner, you know, you didn't get a chance to play a lot last year. You was pretty much a red shirt. Now you, it's a new staff. You want to show what you can do. T.J. Finley, everybody thought he was transferring uh before before the coach the new coaching staff got here and all of a sudden you know they wanted to see what he could do you know give him a fair opportunity so uh, there is opportunity in the portal uh, I think everyone's always looking to upgrade their football team in the portal whether that's just adding depth to a certain position or whether that's really trying to bring in a starter and I think in this situation you know if one of our guys were to transfer you would need an extra guy for depth uh, if you're trying to go out and look for a guy that you feel like oh, this guy here can step in day one and kind of get things going, then I think it would have to be a quarterback that has to be strong in the RPO game, has to know the game, have have had a lot of experience, have seen him play a lot, and know that he can walk in the locker room and instantly lead a football team. And, uh, and you know he's been in the trenches, and you know that this guy can get the job done. So you're asking him to come in and just be ready to take off. I think if you find that guy, then I think you have to explore it or you may explore it. Now, if you don't, I don't think you just go reaching, you know, because I feel like you can win with some of the guys that we have. Uh, it's just a matter of, like I said, what part, what part of the offense can they pick up the fastest? And what's the most important part of our offense that's going to help us win games? Is that guy's out there? Is that guy on our roster? All the time to tell. Well, Jason, you being a former NFL quarterback yourself and knowing what it takes to play in the National Football League and seeing Bryce Young up close and personal lead that 99-yard drive in the Iron Bowl and to where he had to have those throws and just seeing him time and time again, is Bryce Young, in your mind, one of those guys that can be a franchise quarterback at the one position, at the number one overall drafted position in the National Football League? Yeah, I, I like Bryce Young. I, I like his whole character, his attitude, his demeanor. I think that's the reason his teammates like galvanize around him. They play hard for him. Uh, you know, he's a true leader, and, uh, and he's a very humble, humble kid. And I think it's easy to root for him. I think overall, when you think about Bryce, uh, I always say, you know, just watch the guy play. I know everyone's all over him right now about, hey, his size, his hand size, I, you know, this and that, how much he weighs. At the end of the day, a football player is a football player. And when you watch Bryce Young film and when you watch Bryce Young in these games, he played in the SEC. SEC puts out the most NFL players. So he's already playing against big guys on Saturdays already on a weekly basis. So that's nothing new to him. And the thing is, the thing is, who do you have in front of him? Can you build a wall in front of him to give him an opportunity from a protection standpoint to not have to take a whole bunch of hits at the next level to be able to deliver the football? Because he's one of the accurate, most accurate passers. He's a guy that when the pressure's on, he's at his best um, and, and everything, and that's what you want from your quarterback. And I think that, you know, given the right situation, the right opportunity, I think he would excel in the NFL. So I just don't think people should be worrying so much about his weight and height and size 
you should be worried about the offensive line that you're going to put in front of him because that what happens at the next level. It doesn't matter how good you are. If, you don't, if you're on your back more than you want to be, then you can't be successful. But if they give him a chance to stay upright, I think this kid can really, really excel and have a, have a really good NFL career. And I would still, if I'm in the position, it would be kind of hard to pass on him as the first pick because of what you've seen him do on film. I'm not worried about all this other stuff. I'm just watching the film. The eye in the sky don't lie. And from that standpoint, he's a competitor, he's a winner, and he's a leader. And those are three qualities you want from a quarterback. Without question, Jason, anybody breaking down the quarterback position, whether it be collegiately or at the pro level, none better than yourself. Jason Campbell is an all-SEC performer, former quarterback for the Auburn Tigers, now having an opportunity to take over for Stan White as the color analyst for the Auburn Tigers this season. And I know you're very excited about that opportunity on September 2nd as UMass comes to Jordan-Hare Stadium to go ahead and and just do it with one of the best in the game, Andy Burcham, and your passion and pride for the Auburn Tigers is second to none, calling it with Andy Burcham. Yeah, I look forward to it. I'm excited about this new opportunity. Uh, Stan has done an outstanding job for years. Uh, like I said, he's been a former quarterback at Auburn, and uh, he knew the game as well as you can know it. And that's what I'm just going to try to do, you know, just put my own touch on it, you know, just try to explain to fans and people that's listening to the game, uh, you know, just from my own experiences of things I've learned through the college NFL and, and situational football and, and just kind of, you know, bring the game to them uh, to a point where they can kind of, you know, understand it. So, uh, you know, I'm looking for, forward to it. You know, Andy's, like I said, is one of the best in the biz. Uh, one thing about Andy is you get to know him. You know, he's very humble. He's a great guy. And like I said, for us, it's just be getting going and finding our own rhythm. Uh, it's just like playing anything. You know, the, the more games we get on our belt, the more rhythm we continue to find with each other. So, you know, I can't wait. I'm excited. I think it's going to be an intriguing season. I really, really do think it'll be an intriguing season for Auburn. Uh, no one really knows what to expect. But with the big receivers we have, the tight end, Rivaldo Fairweather, we just brought in uh, from FIU. You know, a guy that's had over 800 yards receiving even last year, it's going to open up the middle of the field and get some of those outside guys one-on-ones. Uh, so I'm excited, especially with our run game, Jarquez, Damari, Batty. And uh, so it's going to be exciting. Regardless of who's playing quarterback, they're going to be behind a solid offensive line and a really good run game. And I think it's going to help them as they continue to excel. So, you know, look forward this season. Uh, can't wait and uh, excited. Well, we're excited that you took time out of this afternoon to talk to us here on the final drive. And we definitely look forward to touching bases with you again here on the final drive when the summer starts to begin, as well as going into the fall season to get an update for all the Auburn Tiger fans here along the Gulf Coast. Jason Campbell, a 10-year NFL quarterback, 2004 SEC Player of the Year, and of course, was a part of that 13-0 perfect season and is now switching roles over for the Auburn Sports Network Radio to where he will be doing the color analysis and look forward to hearing your great coverage come the beginning of September and look forward to talking to you again very soon. And you know, Mobile, Alabama, there's a lot of Auburn fans here as well. And we love seeing you at the Reese's Senior Bowl down here when you came and spoke and look forward to talking to you again very soon. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. And uh, I say, wish you all the health and best. And uh, talk to you soon. Jason Campbell joining us this afternoon 
on the final drive. When we come back, we'll touch bases again on a very interesting comment that LeBron James made last night to one of his teammates in a critical situation for the Los Angeles Lakers and highly talented or highly touted running back. DJ Butler is in the building. He was at Auburn this past weekend and during the cold weather. And if he was visiting Auburn, that means he's a pretty special running back. We'll talk about the offers that he has coming up next here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Hey, this is Showtime boxing analyst Steve Farhood, and you're listening to Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP. He knocked it down. It's unfortunate that AD had a brain fart and messed his game winner up. He hears you. I messed his game winner up. I apologize. I definitely apologize. Apology accepted. Game winner for DS. Crock it. Thanks, Rob. A brain fart for Anthony Davis. He said he had last night. One of the Cardinals' sins never foul a three-point shooter. But I guarantee LeBron James would have had a lot harsher words for AD had the Lakers actually lost that game last night, one in which they won in overtime, 108 to 102. The Lakers now in a best of seven with the Memphis Grizzlies and Bronner. You found you you thought the game was over with yeah. about 1.4 seconds left. Schroeder hits one. I mean, you go up three with a second left, and and it goes to overtime. Something wacky has to happen there. That was unfortunate that uh that ad ad had to ad messed up the winner for Schroeder. But and Schroeder has been through a lot in his career. Personally, it would have been nice for him to have that game winner. But it is what it is. I'm I'm sure all t- all members of the Lakers will take the win and uh, and move on to actually making the playoffs now. Well, the funny part too was Mike Conley had to make three free throws yeah. after being fouled by ad, and he almost choked. On the first one, and I know he would have felt bad, so I would much rather lose in overtime to have been the one at the free throw line to lose the game, but a brain fart is what LeBron James calls it. Auburn fans were having uh, shades of Kyle Guy in Virginia and uh, in the Final Four there. Sorry, I had had to say that, Auburn fans. Well, it's just one of those tough tough situations to where you you hate to see from a basketball purist standpoint, you're looking at your screen and say, I can't believe what he just – did and LeBron James called him out on it but they did find a way to get it done and again Michael Jefferson injured in a car crash on Sunday night the 2018 Murphy grad want to make sure we continue to give him much prayers and wish him the best speedy recovery to Michael Jefferson who had gone to the NFL combine as well and was trying to fulfill his dream injured in a car crash to where a fatality did take place so Michael Jefferson we definitely wish you the best and a speedy recovery continuing to try to chase your NFL dreams the final drive with DJ Butler the Butler did it he's a junior running back for the Davidson Warriors being recruited by many SEC schools we'll talk to DJ Butler here next on the final drive Hey, this is David Morris of QB Country. When I'm in my car, I always have it tuned in to 105.5 WNSP, the sports station. 
The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Michael Brauner joining you on the final drive. And in studio with me is Derek DJ Butler. And the Butler did it. He is a junior running back for the Davidson Warriors. And if you have not had an opportunity to go out and watch high school football, let me know. what I'll tell you right now why I love watching the Butler do it time and time again. DJ has offers from Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Central Florida, Coastal Carolina, Troy, UAB, Tulane, Jacksonville State, Marshall, Colorado State, Liberty, Nickel State, and Middle Tennessee State. These are all schools that have offered DJ Butler. And again, he's was in Auburn this past Saturday as he was visiting Hugh Freeze and Cadillac Williams and the Auburn Tigers on the Plains for this past Saturday's A-Day game. And I'm telling you right now, folks, D.J. Butler is a young man that can just flat out run the football. He's a running back for the Davidson Warriors. D.J., good afternoon, and how are you doing, my man? I'm doing great today, you know. <laughs> just having a good day. I, I love it. And this is a young man who's come in from a workout with Rick Cauley at Davidson High School. And let's let's jump right into your visit to Auburn this weekend. And we know it was cold. We know it was rainy. But the love that Cadillac Williams showed you. Talk about that opportunity to go check that out. Despite it being very rainy and cold and everything, you know, I really love the coaches and everything. I was able to meet Coach Cadillac Williams. That was a real blessing, you know. He's like he's a real big figure, you know. <laughs> like he's a huge figure. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he's one of those guys, DJ, to where in high school he ran over the Williamson Lions in the state championship game. They couldn't tackle him, and kind of like yourself. And I know that for Rick Cauley, when you came out as a sophomore, kind of made your debut for the Davidson Warriors as a running back. I can see why. Ole Miss and Mississippi State SEC schools have already offered you to come on their campus. And I know you've had an opportunity to already check out Mississippi State and you'll be visiting Ole Miss here this coming Saturday for their spring game. Yes, sir. Talk about the excitement of the recruitment process, because as I've seen you play and introduce you as a Crichton Optimus Club Player of the Week or Mobile County Public School System Game of the Week that Al Whedon and I have an opportunity to do, seen you run for four or five touchdowns. What is your career high rushing with the Davidson Warriors so far? My career high, I would say the Foley game of my junior year. I had six touchdowns in one game and 300-plus yards. 300-plus yards and six touchdowns against the Foley Lions this year. And DJ, again, is one of those young men to where he, he's so mannerable and, and just does things the right way as a student athlete. And I, I told him a long time ago, the offers are going to continue to flow in. And sometimes they are slow because high school kids and the transfer portal sometimes are punished. But if you're a baller like DJ Butler is, talk about your big offensive line that make it possible for you for the Davidson Warriors. Yeah, all of this wouldn't be possible without my O-lineman. You know, I love their work ethic. Like they really bring energy to the team. 
and just fuels the whole team to just do better, which in return, you know, it results for me. Like, it works in favor for me. You know, I want to work for them and make sure they're happy. DJ Butler, he is a junior running back for the Davidson Warriors, and DJ has had an opportunity again to have offers from some Southeastern Conference schools, visited Auburn this past weekend for their A-Day, and again, we'll be visiting Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. Ole Miss has offered you as well as Mississippi State. What did you like about Stark Vegas and Mississippi State? What was it there that really stood out to you at Mississippi State? I really liked that it was a quiet town, still, you know, still college-based, but quiet town, not too many distractions. I really love the coaches there, especially Coach Knox. You know, he really introduced everything for me, and I really love the campus. Not only loving the campus, you have an opportunity. Again, Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, everybody knows that Lane Kiffin, if you're on Twitter or, or if you have seen some of the jabs or some of the barbs that Lane Kiffin comes with, he, he seems like he's one of those players' coaches, has plenty of swag in the bag, does Lane Kiffin. What do you love the most about Lane Kiffin and your recruitment so far by Ole Miss? I've watched him. I've watched his games. His game planning is, like, out of the water. It's crazy. So to meet him will really be an honor. And, again, Ole Miss has offered – because there's a difference between an offer and someone who is recruiting you. Because recruiting, that means they're, they're, they're kind of dating you. They're, they're, they're dating you. But when somebody is offered, they're ready to put the ring on the finger. They're ready to marry you. They're ready for you to be a part of that family. And, again, I mentioned those that have offered Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Central Florida, Coastal Carolina, Troy, UAB, Tulane, Jacksonville State, Nickel State, Middle Tennessee, D.J. Butler, a junior running back from Davidson High School with plenty of accolades to go along with it. And a 300-yard game, a six-touchdown game. The question is, can you top that this year? Are you going to be able to find a way to get into the end zone seven times for Rick Carley behind that big offensive line that the Davidson Warriors do a tremendous job of running the football with you? A lot of people have that goal, but my goal is just to have fun, play football. That's how I achieve all of my achievements and accolades, just play football and have fun. DJ, I, I mean, how much does it mean to you personally, you know, being a kid from Mobile who's being recruited by these SEC schools and, and, and even even hometown schools like going up to Auburn and, and uh, maybe being recruited in Tuscaloosa? Like, how, how much does it mean to you personally to uh, just – be, be even uh, wanted by some of these schools? It means a lot to me. I really want to set an example for my younger siblings. It's not so much mobile. I want to set an example for my younger siblings and show them, hey, this is the way. You know, I just want to keep that positive mindset in our family and everything. DJ Butler, he is a junior running back for the Davidson Warriors and Rick Cauley and mentioned anytime that you're being recruited by Southeastern Conference schools, I know that you know, you have to have a dream school. And it may just not even be a necessarily a dream school, but have you thought about what you want to major in when you get onto one of these possible SEC schools or maybe Sunbelt Conference schools or wherever you decide to sign that dotted line, having a blessing or a blessed opportunity to, to play football at the next level? Do you know what you want to major in? For the longest since eighth grade, I attended Denton Magnet School, 
and it inspired me to be a biomedical engineer. And that's really something I'm looking forward to. That's what I'm talking about. A bio, a future biomedical engineer right here with more brains than LeBounty and Brawner combined, even thinking about wanting to go into being biomedical engineering. And I tell you the way that you're able to add up your yardage and to be able to dissect the defense. What's your favorite part about playing football and being a Davidson warrior on Friday nights? My favorite part is seeing how the team works together, how everybody is pumped, you know, to complete one team goal. It's not just one person. It's a team effort. And I really love that about the Friday nights. DJ Butler, again, our guest here on the final drive. He is a junior running back for Coach Carly and the Davidson Warriors and getting ready to enter your senior year. Will you guys have a spring game at Davidson? And not only that, if you do have a spring game, this fall I've been looking at Davidson Stadium and the progression. How excited are you knowing that you could possibly run the football on your own campus stadium and possibly score the first touchdown of the new stadium. That that that's a crazy idea, you know. Like I love the idea for it, but I'm just here just playing just to have fun, you know. It would be great to have been the first person to score in our stadium, but I just want to have fun at the end of the day. How awesome has it been to see the stadium construction go up right there off of Azalea Road and and to know that, again, next year will be your senior year? And do you have certain goals for your senior year that you've set? I currently do not have any goals for the senior year. I guess my goals would be to build my body, you know, make sure I'm more fit. I've really been working on my diet and everything to make sure I weigh more and everything. But on the field-wise, I would say just beat my touchdowns for last year. How many touchdowns did you rush for? Do you do you remember your total rushing yardage from last year? How many touchdowns you ran for? I do not remember, but I, I do know that it was 1,000-plus yards. 1,000-plus running back from Davidson High School. And, again, we know for a fact he had more than six touchdowns for Davidson because he scored six in one game against the Foley Lions, rushing for over 300 yards against that what what made that night special was it you run after contact yards after contact what was it that helped you to get stronger and stronger as the game went on despite us losing the fact the thing that made me work so hard that game was just watching my mom you know every time I score a touchdown she runs across the sideline you can see her running with me Nothing like having that parent excitement. Before we get you out of here, give a shout out and let everybody know who your mom and dad is and your siblings who are listening here on WNSP 105.5. Well, I'm fortunate enough to have two dads. So my first dad, you know, well, not first or second, but <laughs> my dad is Derek Butler Jr., Joseph Reed, what well, Derek Butler Jr., Joseph Reed. My mother is Jennifer Reed. And I have a lot of siblings. I got seven siblings. A big family. <laughs> and he's setting the table and showing them how to do it the right way. Derek Butler Jr. joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And here's a young man, folks, that is worth the price of admission for high school football is, again, collegiately, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Central Florida, Coastal Carolina, Troy, UAB, Tulane, Marshall University, Nickel State, Middle Tennessee, all have already offered this young man. I know the offers will continue to trickle in, 
and I say trickle in will continue to pile up during your senior year. Want you to stay healthy. Thank you so much for joining us on the final drive and look forward to seeing where you'll be landing after your senior season at Davidson moving forward this football season. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Derek Butler here on the final drive. When we come back, we'll talk to Gus Smith from future ones here on the final drive. Hello, this is artist Daniel A. Moore. You are listening to WNSP Sports Radio. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5 and Future One's team sales the official sponsor of the AHSAA and one of the founders, Gus Smith, who also is the head coach at Gordo High School. He used to be the defensive coordinator for Mobile Christian on a couple of state championship appearance teams as well as a Daphne High School Trojan guy. Gus, good afternoon and welcome to the final drive. What's up, Corey? Man, good to be on here. I appreciate it. Man, it's our pleasure for having you. And we know that Future Ones, being the official sponsor of the AHSAA, does an outstanding job of putting quality control cloth in the hands of student athletes at a very, very affordable price, have spirit packs available, and so much more. Talk to us more about what's in style with Future Ones. Right, right. Yeah, we're always trying to come out with new products and, you know, just gain some market. And, um, you know, we're always looking and just trying to, um, you know, just keep up with the other companies. And, you know, I, I think one thing that separates our company from others is, is the new products we have and our customer service and our turnaround time. Um, you know, that's kind of what we hang our hat on is, is, is doing things right and always answering the phone when somebody calls and, uh, you know, just trying to put some Good stuff out there for people. Good quality stuff. That's you know, it's kind of a motto is is good quality stuff at a reasonable price, and I think that's what coaches want. And um, you know, that's where we are right now. Without question, you can get sublimated gear done up to the specifications of any athletic program that you have and it, it can be anywhere from the peewees the little kids who play any type of sport all the way up to collegiately and professionally you see that future ones jersey and athletic sign on a lot of high school apparel and a lot of parks and recreation as you guys continue to grow. And you're a local-based company. That's one of the great things that I think the Future Ones brings to the table. Yeah, we're right here in Mobile, and, you know, we're proud to say we're from Mobile where, you know, we think this is the hotbed for sports anyway, especially football. And, um, you know, we're proud to be from here. And like you said, we're growing, you know, our, our, our first ever – Sale was 2016. We got started in the scout team jerseys where we have removable numbers. And, um, you know, Texas A&M was our first customer ever um, in August of 2016. So we've grown a lot since then. Um, you know, we've kind of we've kind of changed our company a little bit as far as what we sell. Um, we were just selling the scout team jersey with the removable numbers. And, you know, we did very well with that, you know, with Division One football teams and, um, 
since then now we're full team sales. You can buy anything from a mouthpiece to bleachers to any jersey that you want. Um, spirit packs are kind of our game, and um, you know we do a lot with with just coaches' gear and shoes. We have custom shoes now, and um, so just recently, you know, kind of a big thing in our company. The you know the LSU girls basketball team. They've been big and. You know, in the media, and they just won the national championship. Well, they wear our scout team jerseys. Um, they bought some that says Dream Team on the front, and you know their scout team basketball team wears Future One. So that's you know, that's pretty cool. I'm sure Nike doesn't like it very much, but um, you know it's pretty cool for us to you know see their pictures at practice, or you know some highlights of them practicing, and you know they're out there in Future One's jerseys. It's pretty cool. Without question, Gus Smith, one of the founders of Future Ones, which is a total team apparel. And he mentioned if you have any, not only apparel needs, if you need mouthpieces, socks, bleachers, they can go ahead and get those for you as well because we do have a lot of rural schools that are tuned in here to WNSP and they may have a park and recreation program that's looking for bleachers to put in their parks. You guys can pretty much get anything that is of athletics that's being played on the surface or in the stands, you guys can make sure that future ones can get it customized for those customers. That's right. I mean, we're, we're full team sales, so they need the smallest thing to the biggest thing. You know, we're located right on Shillinger's Road out there, 2780 Shillinger's Road in Sims. Um, you can stop by there. You can visit www futureones.com uh, you can give us a call at 877-747-2245 and so uh, just give us a call and you know we'll take care of you we have six salesmen in Alabama now um, you know we have some people working in the office here in Mobile that can take care of you so if you're local stop by and see us and um, yeah we're I mean we're ever growing so that's kind of the plan is to take over the state of Alabama and our our first you know our, our first priority is to you know service the coaches of Alabama like you said whether you're coaching five-year-old you know park ball or high school or colleges you know we're here to help you and um you know I think people should take advantage of us 877-583-0747 is how you can reach out to Future Ones you can also email them at sales at future ones Dot com. That's sales at future, the number one S dot com. And you can also follow them on Twitter at future ones jerseys. That's at future ones jerseys to where you can actually see a lot of the great merchandise and apparel that they have available cheerleaders on down to your football, basketball, track and field. And of course, spirit packs coming up here for a lot of the coaches that are getting ready to participate in the seven-on-seven events as well as June, which is a huge event for the state of Alabama, both football-wise and basketball-wise. Future Ones can go ahead and meet all your athletic apparel needs. Gus Smith, one of the founders of Future Ones, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. Thank you so much, Gus, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you, Corey. It's always good to hear from you, man. Likewise. Gus Smith, one of the founders of Future Ones, he and Trent Massey getting the job done for Future Ones. And if you have not had an opportunity to see their apparel, 
It was featured in the North-South game that was played from a basketball and football standpoint here in Mobile, Alabama, and that's just their all-star apparel. They can hook your team up. You can go to futureones.com and check out their catalog and all their merchandise as well. Michael, we were talking earlier about some of the coaches here locally Stacy Luker decides not to coach at Cottage Hill Christian Academy. I think that that's very interesting to where when you're talking about a, a Hall of Fame coach who took a job and then pulls out of it, that's pretty tough. Brian Seymour does the same thing from Greenville, takes the Greenville job and then backs out of that at Demopolis. I've never seen high school coaches, two, as a matter of fact, within a week's time do that. Yeah, you hate it for Cottage Hill, and, you know, we're sitting here in the middle of April, and they still have to go and find a coach, so that's honestly probably the worst part of it. Obviously, like you said earlier, you thought they found a state championship quality head coach, and now they didn't, but now it's also the middle of April, and they still have to find a head coach, so tough tough scenes over there. Without question, and also, don't forget tonight, Bulls versus Raptors, Thunder versus Pelicans for the start of the NBA play-in games that were officially kicked off last night. The Lakers win 108-102 to in overtime versus Minnesota. And the Hawks, they defeat the Heat 116-105. to I know one Nick Wiggins was probably on cloud nine this morning knowing that the Hawks had taken care of business. And we also hear at the 5 o'clock hour, Brooks Alston. We'll be talking to us about what Georgia Bulldogs from the Southeastern Conference may be drafted in the NFL, or can Kirby Smart continue to be the king of college football? We'll have Brooks Austin coming up next here on the final drive. It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. It's been a great addition so far, and we're going to continue to have a great hump day as now we're going to welcome Brooks Austin. He is the lead editor for Dogs Daily and also covers the Georgia Bulldogs on a regular basis and does a lot of recruiting analysis as well. But the Georgia Bulldogs coming off back-to-back national championships. And I guess the biggest thing is, Brooks, first and foremost, welcome to the final drive. But can anybody knock off King Kirby this year in the SEC? Well, I got a little bit of college football trivia for you, gentlemen. Who was the last football program to three-peat in college football? Do you know the answer? I don't think there's been a three-peat. There has. It was Minnesota in the 40s. Do you believe that? Minnesota was out here running absolutely amok on the world of college football in the 40s. But, no, I, I look around the landscape of college football, and I'll be honest with you guys, though Georgia has some questions, 
when you think about the perennial contenders, the teams that are constantly keeping them or on the list of teams that might keep them from three-peating, you're thinking about Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, uh, you know, all, all these different programs. Even USC's got some questions. I look around the landscape of college football, and I see just as many questions, if not more, at other programs than I do at a, at a program like Georgia right now where it's like, yeah, hey, you got to replace a quarterback, but it ain't like they're digging through the transfer portal for one. They, they got three guys that they believe in, and they didn't go, you know, filling any roster holes through the portal this offseason anyways apart from wide receivers. So um, I think they feel really, really confident about where their roster is. And like I said, when I look around, I mean, Ohio State, new quarterback, Clemson, new quarterback, Alabama, new quarterback, uh, USC, uh, what's going to happen with that defense? You know what I mean? Like there are a bunch of questions around college football and I, when I look at Georgia's roster, I see a bunch of solid answers. Well, that's what you have to have in the Southeastern Conference. Back-to-back national champions. And what, what's interesting about Georgia is the question that's going around a lot in the Southeastern Conference. Who is going to be the next man up at the quarterback position? Because at least Alabama had two quarterbacks that were currently on the roster that played very limited minutes last year, but one stepped in on a knee basis. Who's going to be that next big-time quarterback taking over for the legendary now Stetson Bennett? <laughs> yeah, so I, I, they've kind of portrayed it as a three-headed race, but I think we can narrow it down at this point in their careers to kind of a two-headed race of the quarterback position led by Carson Beck, um, the, the, the fourth-year guy coming into, uh, you know, a, a prospect out of Mandarin High School in Jacksonville, Florida, who was originally committed to Alabama, if you guys might remember. Um, and then they ended up going with Bryce Young as opposed to maybe sticking with Carson Beck. And then Carson Beck ends up at Georgia, and he's waited his turn and developed really well. You talked about Alabama getting some guys and getting some run last year in limited reps. Carson, I think, played in five football games last year, and Georgia was beating opponents at such a rate where Carson was getting into the football game sometimes in the third quarter. I mean, I vividly remember, and, and most of college football will, that, that opening game against Oregon, Carson Beck's taking meaningful, if you will, meaningful reps in that football game in the midway through the third quarter because they're up back near 40. So he's gotten some, you know, collegiate, some SEC runs, some competition against actual, you know, football players on Saturday. Vandegrift, not so much, but immensely talented football players. And, and if I had to peg one today, and I think if they played tomorrow, uh, Carson Beck would be the starting quarterback at Georgia. And I think they feel really, really comfortable about that. Brooks, I mean, Kirby has kind of prided himself almost on not using the transfer portal, and then he goes out this uh, this offseason and, and gets arguably the two best receivers out of the portal in Rara Thomas and Dominic Lovett, both SEC guys as well. Uh, what, what, are you, what are you expecting out of these two guys for the Bulldogs this year? Yeah, you know, you pointed it out correctly. Kirby Smart has almost alluded to the portal as a use-if-need basis. Like, he does not want to go in there and establish a roster built off of additions year in and year out off of the portal. He wants to use that as a let's fill a need, let's fill a hole. If we grab somebody, they better be starting caliber for this roster. And when you looked at the roster, it's like, hey, we need an X receiver, and you probably need another weapon at the Z spot as well so you can play Lad Bakonsky and Arian Smith and guys like that at their more true natural position, which is within the slot, you know, getting a little mismatches against some safeties and linebackers. And what that required was going out and getting Rob Rod Thomas and going out and get Dominic Lovett. And I think they ID those guys very, very early in the transfer, you know, transfer portal cycle. You know, it, Georgia, like Alabama and like Ohio State and like some of these teams that are competing for national titles and competing for January 6th bowl games year in and year out, that portal window kind of hits at an awkward time, man. It was in the middle of December. 
they're preparing for the Ohio State football team while trying to land two transfer wide receivers. And they do believe, by all indications coming out this spring, that those two guys will impact their roster this fall and, and in a pretty dramatic fashion. I think you see this football team kind of morph into what its skill sets are provided, which is guys like Broder, or, uh, Brock Bowers, guys like Oscar Delp, guys like uh, Robert Thomas and Dominic Lubbock and Ladd McConkey that can really, really win individual matchups via the passing game. Where do you see the draft stock of Stetson Bennett? But b- I get both before and after the arrest. You know, I, I'll be honest. I, I I don't necessarily know if like I, I sure the the draft the, the the draft evaluation took a hit when he gets a, a, a drunken public you know charge. But I I, I think NFL teams are going to have to make a real tough decision about Stetson in the sense of do you buy into that personality? I'll be honest. I've been around Stetson Bennett for two, three years now, and it's very, very hard to identify who he is, what he cares about. You know, I, I think he's a very eclectic human being, which is part of his greatness. It's why he's carried around a chip on his shoulder. It's why he has such a, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, balls of steel in, like, the moments that matter the most because I don't know if he ever ever has any highs or any lows. I think he's just kind of this moderate guy. So to answer you the question of what is his NFL draft stock, I think he is a third to fifth round quarterback. I think he is a solid backup in the NFL. I think he is a guy that you can throw out onto the field on Sundays if your starter gets hurt and he does not sacrifice your season. I think that's very, very valuable uh, in a world of professional football now where we saw things like what happened to the 49ers in a playoff game where all of a sudden you don't have a competent quarterback. That's not going to be the case when you throw this guy out on Sundays. Is he a first-round draft pick? No. The physical measurements will not allow NFL teams to look past that because the tape doesn't say wow like a guy's like Bryce Young does, who is considerably smaller than Stetson. I mean, an inch or two and about you know 15 pounds or so on Saturdays when they're playing real football, not water weight for the combine. So he's not a truly small individual, but he doesn't play big, if that makes sense. We're speaking with Brooks Austin. He is the lead editor for Dogs Daily and also recruiting analyst for SI All-American. And you talk about being a recruiter for and knowing what your value is as a recruit. Jalen Carter, you might as well call it being recruited all over again, but with multi-million dollars at stake. And I think he's probably cost himself a few mil by coming out of shape to Georgia's combine and just having a lot of mental issues outside of the dominant physical tape that he showed the country for the entire season. Yeah, it's it's an interesting evaluation if you're just looking at it from a scout's perspective, right? Scouts are nine times out of ten going to weigh much more heavily on film than they are metrics, believe it or not. I mean, as long as you're checking boxes, right? You got to be a certain height, you got to be a certain weight, you got to run a certain thing, but like they're not really deep diving into what a pro combine looks like unless there are major question marks, which he didn't necessarily help himself with. But that tape, man, that tape is so solidified. That tape is so rock solid for three years now in the SEC. This is a football player who walked in day one, September of 2019, and was one, or 2020, and was one of the best football players that they had on their roster on a defensive line, guys, that had five first-round draft picks. Think about that. We're talking about Jordan Davis's. Devontae Wyatt, Trayvon Walkers, okay, Quay Walkers, all those guys that were around that box, that line of scrimmage play, and all of them to a man will say Jalen Carter is a better football player than me. That stuff still speaks volumes, 
And yeah, you got to kind of clean up all the other stuff. You got to really worry about all the other stuff. You got to worry about whether or not football is the, the number one concern in his life. But I'm here to tell you, man, there are a lot of football players in this world who are just really, really great at what they do. And if you can make them great and allow them the platform to be great for your program or your organization for six to seven years before football being the number one thing is a requirement for them to continue to be great, Dude, you just bought yourself eight years of Jalen Carter at his prime. Like, take it. Like, it doesn't have to be that complicated. Well, I tell you, you know, it's one of those situations to where you don't want him to be a bust for sure. But his SEC film was second to none. And he is that dude. And I think that when you start talking about him playing with the chip on his shoulders, again, if his mental game stays strong, he can continue to make lots and lots of money on that second deal that he does sign. But Mike Bobo, coming from an analyst standpoint, a lot of Auburn Tiger fans would say that's a boo-boo. And I don't know if the Georgia Bulldogs will continue to say the same thing about the uh, historical quarterback and, well, he'll be a boo-boo for the Georgia Bulldogs leading that offense now. You know, it's funny. I, I watched Mike Bobo, and I, you know, I don't know if you guys, you guys know who I am, but I don't know if your audience knows who I am or what I do. What I do is based out of film work. I am the film guy. I study more film than I, I, I stand by this. I study more film than anyone that does what I do. But I will tell you this right now, when I watched Mike Bobo at Auburn, I thought, damn, that's a really good play designer. He just don't have enough players to be mundane to get himself down the field, okay? Places, places like Georgia, places like Alabama, places like Ohio State, you don't have to be this mythical offensive genius to score touchdowns. In fact, you only have to have one or two absolute dialed-up plays every single drive. Most of the methodical stuff, most of the base formation stuff, most of the base offensive plays, you got enough Jimmys and Joes where the base X's and O's will get you down the field. I watched him at Auburn in 2020 have to literally design up 15 plays in a row that were the perfect play call, the perfect design, called at the perfect moment, just for him to get inside the damn 20 against that Georgia defense. So, like, I know for a fact Mike Bobo can design football plays as well as anybody else in this country. He has not had the players to where he can just do the bread and butter and get by until he needs the winning stuff, if that makes sense. And, I mean, if you look back in his records, the last time he's had the better football players every single Saturday, he was putting up 40 points a game. And the last time that happened was in the mid-2010s at the University of Georgia. Well, Brooks, I can't have you on and, and not poke a little bit of fun at Georgia's uh, schedule in 2023. And, yeah, yeah, I know they were supposed to play Oklahoma, but Oklahoma coming to the SEC didn't stop Alabama from going to Texas. But that being said, on a serious note, do you worry at all that, that playing a schedule like that, and I know they go to Tennessee and to Auburn, but do you worry at all that that puts you in a spot when they inevitably do get to the SEC championship and to the college football playoff, because they are going to, uh, that once you face, oh, this is the first good team we faced all year i mean does that worry you at all i I, i'm not necessarily worried about it here's why okay of the top 10 in the country in uh, strength of schedule this year six of the top 10 are opponents on georgia's schedule so what that means is the six of the 10 guys in the top 10 the only reason their schedule is so much harder than georgia's is because they got georgia on it georgia's biggest problem with strength of schedule right now is that the sec east is not worth a, a worth of water compared to georgia so, yeah, you got the Tennessee game on the schedule. South Carolina is supposed to be a little bit better. But what's happening in Kentucky? What's happening, uh, you know, we know what's happening at Vanderbilt. What's happening in Florida? What's happening at all these other 
perennial teams that are supposed to give SEC powerhouses run. I could have made the same argument a couple years back for the SEC West and just said, well, all, all Alabama's got to do is get past LSU. I think that's kind of the nature of college football. It's the nature of these cycles. Sometimes the East is better than the West. Sometimes the West is better than the East. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't really make a hill of beans about the strength of schedule stuff because, like you said, it's going to weed itself out towards the end of the year. And additionally, like, I mean, Georgia fans have been making these counter arguments about Ohio State and about Clemson for a half a decade now, probably a decade. I mean, the college football playoffs started in 2014. So we're nine years into Georgia fans going, look at their crappy schedule. So who are Georgia fans that turn around and say, look at our crappy schedule? You know what I mean? Well, you know Georgia's ascended to the top of college football now because you're using the exact same line that I've used for the past five years. Oh, Alabama can't help it that they don't have to play Alabama. I mean, that's 100% right. You cannot complain about strength of schedule and then turn around and go, woo, 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 SEC, it just means more. No, it don't. Like, no, it don't. If, if you're going to complain about Georgia's schedule and you are a member of this conference, get your weight up. That's all you can say. Get your weight up. Play better. Well, I tell you what, it's going to be fun to see the Georgia Bulldogs in action, to see if Kirby Smart can become the newest answer to a trivia question and go ahead and secure that three-peat for the Georgia Bulldogs. As you informed our listeners and myself earlier, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, the last program to have a three-peat, and we'll see if Kirby Smart can continue to be the king of college football. And if he is a winner this year, he is definitely ascending himself to beyond GOAT status because he's definitely in the history books. And we'll see if the Georgia Bulldogs can continue to maintain, Brooks. Well, I appreciate it, Jim. I appreciate you guys having me on. I, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I think come late December, we're going to be looking at them in one of them five, four spots anyway. So I we'll love it. our answer, I'm pretty sure. Brooks, how can people follow all your great coverage, being the lead editor for Dogs Daily and also SI All-American? Yeah, you can just check me out on Twitter. I try to be a one-stop shop at Brooks Austin BA. If you're not a Twitter user, if you're someone who prefers YouTube, just search the Film Guy Network on YouTube. You can find me there, and we do a lot of cross-platform stuff across the SEC. So if you're a Bama fan, you can see some Bama film work there. If you're a Tennessee fan, you can see some Tennessee film work there as well. I appreciate you guys for having me on, man. Look forward to having you on again very soon. Brooks Austin joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about Michael Bronner's podcast coming up live here at 5:30, and again recap a couple of the headlines that we talked about in the first couple of hours this is will herring a member of the auburn family when i'm in mobile i listen to wnst 105.5 the final drive on wnsp 105.5 want to thank all our great guests here today on the final drive glenn gilbo from outkick joined us talking about the LSU Tigers and can they go ahead and become back-to-back SEC West champions and also we made sure that we checked in with Jason Campbell the color analyst for the Auburn Sports Network and former Auburn quarterback and we we got his thoughts on 
how Auburn fared in its spring game. We also had DJ Butler, the junior running back for the Davidson Warriors in studio. And of course, this young man has been offered by Ole Miss and Mississippi State, UAB, Tulane, and many others. And of course, Gus Smith from Future Ones joined us and Brooks Austin just got off the phone with him. He's the lead editor for Dogs Daily and is a recruiting analyst for SI All-American. So I want to thank all those fine guests. And, of course, Michael Brauner, you have the WNSP Now podcast coming up live here next. Coming up live, Owen McEnroe is going to be making his debut on the WNSP Airwaves, my co-host on the Throw It Deep podcast. So that's going to be great stuff. We're going to talk uh, best bets for over-unders that have come out in the past couple weeks as well as probably a little bit of draft talk as well. It's going to be going to be a good time. going to be a little quick mini episode of the Throw It Deep podcast. New episode came out today, so check that out on WNSP now, as well as uh, Nick Wiggins and Steven Root on the double team, as well as uh, Corey and I, if you missed any part of the final drive and want to catch up or the opening kickoff, really any of our on-air content that you missed and want to catch up on, you can all get that all under the WNSP now big umbrella wherever you get your podcasts. I, Michael Bronner, I tell you, last night there was a baseball game played by the Philadelphia Phillies. It was dollar dog night. Mm. And I'd be doggone if they didn't have a food fight at the Philadelphia Phillies baseball game on Tuesday night. And what happens is you, you sit there and you give out Dollar dogs to more than 58,000 fans. And then all of a sudden, they decided to chuck the extra hot dogs into the air. And you just basically turned out to an all-out food fight at the Philadelphia Phillies game. The Phillies wound up losing 8-4. to four, But there was definitely a no-hitter that did not occur for the Philadelphia Phillies fans as, again, dollar dog night turned into a food fight. I've never seen that before at a professional event. And tonight, Bulls versus Raptors, Thunder versus Pelicans in the NBA. And, of course, we definitely want to keep Michael Jefferson, who was injured in a car crash, in our thoughts and prayers. The young man graduated in 2018 from Murphy High School, attended the NFL Combine uh, last month and again he was in a fatality and involved in a fatality on one of the interstates to where a fatality did occur and Michael Jefferson had serious injuries and we wish him the best here from WNSP our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family Stacey Luker he decides not to coach at Cottage Hill Christian Academy afterwards after we had the opening drive there and talked with Mark and Lee He's not there any longer decides to go ahead and step down before he even coaches a game at Cottage Hill. Brian Seymour did the same thing at Greenville High School. He decides to go back to Demopolis. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Stacy Luker. But that was something that was very unexpected happening. But again, make sure that you tune in to our podcast to where you can hear Jason Campbell's recap of the Auburn Tigers, Brooks Austin talking about King Kirby and the Georgia Bulldogs, DJ Butler 
the young running back. He's a junior, going to be a senior next year. This being recruited by many SEC schools. I think that list will continue to improve. Glenn Gilbo also joining us as well. Tune into that podcast, but tune in next to WNSP now as Michael Bronner will be joining you coming up next here until tomorrow for the final drive. I'm Corey Labounty. This is Saran Stacy. You're listening to WNSB 105.5.